greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this podcast. We've been offering these online acts of worship every week since the first lockdown began, almost a year ago now. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. We've kept a candle burning here on the altar each day since the very start of that first lockdown as a sign of hope, even when our doors have been closed. And we think about you and give thanks for you each day when it is lit. Do please leave a comment or a like as you listen to our service. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. Now, may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart he will not despise.
The Lord be with you. May I welcome you very warmly to St. Bride's for this special Ash Wednesday service of Holy Communion at which we mark the beginning of the season of Lent. A little later in the service, I shall be inviting any of you who wish to participate to come forward and receive in ash on your foreheads the sign of the cross. The ashes are a symbol of our mortality, a reminder that we are but dust, and to dust we shall return. But they are administered to us in the form of a cross, the sign of Christ's saving love, which reminds us that it is not only a call to repentance, but also, very importantly, a call to life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, since early days, Christians have observed with great devotion the time of our Lord's passion and resurrection. It became the custom of the church to prepare for this by a season of penitence and fasting. At first, this season of Lent was observed by those who were preparing for baptism at Easter and by those who were to be restored to the church's fellowship from which they had been separated through sin. In course of time, the church came to recognize that by a careful keeping of these days, all Christians might take to heart the call to repentance and the assurance of forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel, and so grow in faith and in devotion to our Lord. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. So let us pray for grace to keep Lent faithfully. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made and forgive the sins of all those who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may receive from you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from Joel, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been from old, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. 
and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and repents of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him, a cereal offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and make not thy heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, Beware of practising your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give alms, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your arms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. Back in the 1990s, in the days when many things had yet to be computerised, if ever I visited my local GP practice, on arrival I'd be handed my medical notes in one of those buff-coloured cardboard wallets that used to be standard NHS issue for that particular purpose. On the front of the cardboard envelope was my full name, date of birth, current address and telephone, NHS number and all the other standard pieces of information that identified who I was. Rather more alarming were two little boxes at the bottom of the front cover that had yet to be filled in. One of them was labelled date of death, the other cause of death. And every time I was handed my medical notes and saw those two little boxes, I invariably found that stark reminder of my own mortality rather startling. Because I was disconcertingly aware of the inescapable fact that the day would come when both of those pieces of information would be a matter of public record, the date and cause of my own death. Having said that, 
I did cheer up momentarily when eventually we reached the millennium and I spotted that the space in which the year of my death was due to be recorded was still labelled 19 blank blank. Because for a very fleeting moment, I felt a wonderful, if completely irrational, wave of relief at having made it to the year 2000. As if, thanks to the short-term nature of NHS administration, I had successfully managed to evade the grim reaper. Now, most of us do not go through life with a constant and acute awareness of the fact that we are going to die. I'm not sure that anything approaching a normal life would be possible if we did. But I suspect that all of us have had occasional moments when the fact of our individual mortality has suddenly become very real to us. Perhaps when someone close to us has died suddenly and unexpectedly or when we became aware of having had a very narrow escape from serious accident, or when we developed medical symptoms that might possibly point to something quite serious. At such times, the cold, hard, inescapable fact of our own mortality can suddenly feel disconcertingly real. Ash Wednesday is the one day above all others in the church's calendar when we are invited, or perhaps challenged, to look squarely at that cold, hard, inescapable fact and to consider its implications. Because it is all too easy to forget or to avoid facing the fact that we do not have all the time in the world. Far from it. Some of us may have considerably less time than we like to assume we have. We simply cannot know. Now, although all of this may sound unbelievably gloomy and depressing, actually it isn't. Indeed, it's always seemed to me that if anything, Ash Wednesday is properly understood as a call to life. It is a call to take seriously those gospel parables that charge us to keep awake, to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. It is a call to treasure the gift of life that is ours for the short time that we have it, and to pledge ourselves to use that gift in God's service. But for that to be possible, in any deep sense, requires us to have the courage to take a long, hard look at the human beings we really are, to acknowledge our shortcomings and our lack of faithfulness, to ask for God's forgiveness and to pray for his grace. The idea of God's judgment is not always terribly popular in some theological circles these days, but it's always seemed to me to be a doctrine that is of fundamental importance to the Christian faith. Because what it says is that human beings have been granted the freedom and the responsibility to make choices. That is part of the wonder and the dignity of being human. But another aspect of that freedom and responsibility 
is that we are answerable for the choices we make. We are answerable for the way in which we use the precious gift of life that has been entrusted to us. And the choices we make reveal the truth about what is written in our hearts. What we are is revealed in what we do. And sometimes it is the fine details and what we might regard as the trivia of our daily lives that are most revealing of all. John V. Taylor once wrote that the real direction that a soul takes towards heaven or hell is mainly determined by an infinite number of almost infinitesimal choices, any one of which may be of ultimate seriousness. And if that thought does not give us all the occasional sleepless night, then it probably ought to. In our Gospel reading today, Jesus warns his followers against making a show of their religion in public because God really isn't terribly interested in our external shows of religious observance or our religious posturing. There is, of course, a place for Lenten discipline. But the most important feature of such practices is something that should remain private between us and God. Because ultimately one thing and one thing only matters, namely what is written in our hearts. Each year at this service, I issue an invitation to those who in normal times are physically present to come forward to receive the sign of the cross on their foreheads in ash. The ashes are, of course, a reminder of our mortality. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But the sign of the cross that accompanies the ash is a symbol of the hope of new life that we have in Christ, and an invitation to turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. And in that sense, it really is a call to a new kind of living, while we still have the chance to make that choice. I'm always very struck by the fact that the collect for Ash Wednesday has surprisingly little to say about self-denial, but a great deal to say about the forgiveness of God and God's ability to transform our hearts so that we can truly recognise our need for God's love and grace and so be changed into his likeness. I shall leave you with the words of that prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made and forgive the sins of all those who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness we may receive from you 
the God of all mercy, perfect forgiveness and peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Let us come to the Lord who is full of compassion and acknowledge our transgressions in penitence and faith. Let us confess our sins. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Make our hearts clean, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. As a sign of the spirit of penitence with which we shall keep this season of preparation for Easter, I invite you to receive on your head in ash the sign of the cross, the symbol of our salvation. God, our Father, you create us from the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be for us a sign of our penitence and a symbol of our mortality, for it is by your grace alone that we receive eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Turn away from sin.
Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Look upon us in mercy, not in judgment. Draw us from hatred to love, and make the frailty of our praise a dwelling for your glory. Amen. Amen.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, you have given your only Son to be for us both a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace that we may always most thankfully receive these his inestimable gifts and also daily endeavour to follow the blessed steps of his most holy life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
Christ give you grace to grow in holiness, to deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow him. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you now and always. Amen. Amen.